0: Please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. So I'll give you time if you have your Bibles to turn there or if you have your digital devices and uh, get to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. God's Word says this. Likewise, wives, be subject to your husbands so that even if some do not obey the Word, Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word and the instruction that it gives to us. We thank you for your grace that we would not be able to do this on our own except for the grace and mercy and the forgiveness that you have blessed us with. And as we look at this very important topic of marriage and submission, I pray that you would work in the hearts of people, that their hearts have been tilled uh, to softness, that their hearts are fertile to receive your word. And Father, um, we tend to look at this from our own eyes, but really the perspective should be from your word. So as we look at your word today, Father, I pray that uh, you would do that. And even, Father, in my inadequacies and unworthiness of preaching your word, I ask the Holy Spirit that you would speak in and through me that you would enable me to uh, share in a way that it would impact the lives of others. Not for my sake, but for your name's sake, Heavenly Father, and for your, your glory. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Ah. You know, when you read a passage like that, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7, um, I'm sure that, you know, this is a passage that's kind of like a hot button type of topic because it's on husbands and wives. Yet, I don't know where everybody is it in their lives. They could be single, they could be engaged, they could have an awesome marriage, maybe a marriage that's on the rocks. Uh, you could be divorced, you could be remarried, you could be widows, Whatever the case may be, please don't check out because this is God's Word. I know it talks about husbands and wives, but yet we are to know God's Word because we're supposed to learn what God's will is for our lives, to be ready in season and out of season so that we can share the hope that is found in Jesus Christ, in Him alone. And uh, to be ready to do that, to be ready... Hello? Am I good? Okay. To be ready in and out of season, we we have to know God's Word. And I'm telling you, you will never know when that time is. The sole purpose of you being a Christian is to uh, praise God and give Him glory. But because you're a Christian and you have non-Christian friends, they will come to you at the oddest times asking for counsel or advice. It happened to me at Costco about a month ago. All I was doing was grinding my coffee. There's a guy standing there, and I go, how's it, bruh? He goes, how's it? And um, so I'm pouring the coffee beans in the grinder. Turn it on, and he looks at me. I've never met this guy before in my life. Never seen him. He goes, hey, man, are you married? And I, I must have had that gangster vibe looking at him because he, he saw that you know, perplexed face, but kind of like, are you kidding me? And then <laughs> he, I guess he saw my face and he qualified that statement. He goes, OK, what's the most important thing about marriage? I've never met this guy before in my life. So I said, OK, let me answer the first question, OK? See that beautiful woman with the shopping cart? I've been married to her for 42 years. And she, she's really awesome. And he goes, man, that's so awesome. He goes, the reason why I ask you this is because, you see, I'm, I'm engaged. And I, what's the most important thing about being married? I didn't know if this guy was a Christian or, or what. I go, well, let me tell you. And I, I approached it as a kind of a secular answer. I said, okay, um, you and your fiancé or your wife have to be on the same page. And he goes, yeah equally, unequally yoked and equally yoked. I go, wow, this guy must know a little bit about the Bible. I go, yeah, you know, uh, marriage, you know, it's never really a 50-50 proposition. It's 100% and 100%. That's how marriage works. And then for the next 15, 20 minutes, I became his premarital counselor. (laughs) Good thing we didn't have popsicles in that shopping cart because (laughs) I said, hey, we got to cut this short, man. I've got popsicles in here. But we have to be ready to share the good news of Jesus Christ even through this marriage relationships to people who are not Christians. And um, when we look at this passage, there's a tendency to read this and to listen from the filter of our own experience and circumstances. That is what I don't want you to do. Instead, we're going to see what God says about this Very important subject about marriage. And the reason why is um, marriage, the original design, if you read way back in Genesis, was of two people, a man and a woman, a husband and wife, coming together in a covenant relationship to become one. Not two separate people living under one roof, but to become one. And after the fall, this beautiful picture of what should have been a blessing of joy um, was marred by, by sin. So now, that's why marriage is so difficult these days Is because you have two broken people. Yes, we've, if you're a believer in Christ, you've been redeemed. Your sins are forgiven, but yet you still have that sin nature inside of you. So you have two broken people trying to live life together in a broken world. And so marriage becomes very difficult to handle. And we're going to take a look at this because there's a certain order of authority in in life in general. So you have God's original design but you know there's a, a cultural context behind this passage we're looking at. And what appears demeaning to wives is really opposite of what we would normally think of that word submission. Because what Peter writes actually elevates the position of women within a Christian relationship. That is what is so awesome. I had lunch with some kapuna, of which my wife and I are. And um, within that group, there is a couple that was married 49 years, uh, a couple that married 44 years, and we were the rookies at 42 years. And I just observed how they interacted with each other, and wow. What a beautiful picture of, of those, you know, those couples who, yes, they're, they're saved by grace, but we still have that sin nature, but how they interact, acted, and complemented each other. And so with this marriage relationship that we're looking at, Peter's elevating the status of the wife. It, it's, it's just totally awesome. Uh, you have to remember, too, in this context, in the Roman society, uh, the husband, had total authority and ownership of everything in that household, even the relationships. And whatever they said uh, was was a rule. You couldn't negotiate, you couldn't even discuss it. Whatever they said went. And of course, here's Peter when he writes this passage through the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the women are automatically elevated. And so it's against this backdrop that uh, Peter says, um, or what he says is totally radical. He addresses wives equally as responsible individuals. Remember that Roman law that, okay, man is the uh, ruler of the house, and, and women didn't have anything. They couldn't negotiate or discuss things about their marriage. Uh, wives have duties, but so do husbands. It tells the husbands that their wives are co-heirs of the gift of life. I love how the NIV puts it. It's the gracious gift of life. They're co-heirs. Co-heirs in this Roman society, that means that they're equal. So wives are equal with men. That is radical, isn't it? And so um, when we look at this, I really wanted to approach it a little bit differently because uh, most messages that you hear on 1 Peter 3, 1-7 through 7 is uh, they will talk about verses 1-6, through 6, they address the women, and just like an afterthought, they talk about the man. Isn't that true? <laughs> At least it is for me. I, I go, yeah, that's a great message, but uh, it seems like they have one verse for, for the men. It's like if you're a local boy, they go, hey, wh- what for you get six verses for the wahine and only one kind verse for the bradas. Because we're smart. No, Bra, not because you're smart, because we're dumb. <laughs> and so I want to look at the role of the husband first because really the leadership of the relationship and the family unit starts with the husband and I don't want it to be an afterthought. So let's take a look at the roles of men first. I love Scripture, Because it says here, verse 7, likewise husbands. What's he likewising about? It's almost like therefore. People say, okay, what's he thereforeing about? What's he likewising about? All throughout uh, chapter uh, 2, starting verse 13 to the end, and even now, he's talking about uh, living in under authority. Remember verse 13, be subject uh, to the governing authorities. And then verse 18, be subject to the economic authorities, your employers. And then verse uh, 21 uh, through about 23 is being subject to the Lord's example in how you live your life. That is what uh, he's saying, likewise be doing. And um, in this marriage relationship we are called into submission. Um, We'll get to that word a little bit later on. Um, It says here, likewise husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And uh, I remember reading from Chuck Swindoll, uh, Insight for Living, but I kind of changed the word so I'm not plagiarizing what he said. (laughs) Uh, It says here... um, to put our feelings, men, again, put your feelings, interest, and needs of your wife ahead of yours. That is really hard to do, isn't it? Especially with somebody like me who who loves surfing. I've been surfing all my life. I think this first year, which is almost 50 years of of surfing, that I won't be able to surf on my birthday because of medical reasons. But I used to tell my wife... um, I'm gonna go surfing. Are you okay with that? What's she gonna say? (laughs) I'll be back in four hours. Or I'm gonna play golf. Are you okay with that? But you see, that's not being or or living with your wives in an understanding way. And uh, the thing is, when when you live with your wives in an understanding way. there's no condition attached to it. You don't live uh, with an understanding way if she submits to you. You do it because God says, live with your wife in an understanding way. And uh, what happens here is that uh, when you live like that, live with your wife in an understanding way, uh, you, can, you are considerate of her, of her, and you're exercising leadership because in this day and age, your wife needs more understanding than ever before, and so you have the wife schedule. If you have kids, you know school age. Maybe some of you have uh, homeschooled kids, but uh, if they're little kids, they're going to grow up, and you're going to have to do this, have the schedule. But <coughs> excuse me, the wife gets, gets their kids ready for school. Uh, In the process, they have to make lunches for the kids. They drive them to school. You pick them up from school. If you work, you go to work, and then you pick them up from school. And um, you take them to practice for, for soccer, if they're soccer players. You come home, and you start getting the dinner ready. All before the husband comes home. Uh, she 's exhausted, hoping that when her husband comes in that she could have some downtime and maybe recharge those emotional batteries. That schedule is not easy, guys. And so you have the husband who comes home. They had a hard day at work, a lot of meetings, a lot of things to accomplish, and he just wants to unwind. So he goes to the sofa, gets the remote, bam, The TV is on. Uh, All the while, you know, uh, she's been trying to juggle the kids. And then, as he's sitting on the TV, she she goes, Honey, it's time for for dinner. Well, you know, the, the Warriors play in about 15 minutes. There goes another two and a half hours. So there's no living with your wife in an understanding way. There's no consideration for them. And then all of a sudden... When it's it time for bed, the husband all of a sudden becomes very interested in his wife. Listen, guys, that's not being considerate of your wives. That's being selfish. And like I said before, uh, most of the sermons will deal with uh, the first six verses. And usually, the, the last part, the grand finale of those messages, men, you must love your wife like Christ loved the church church. and you're willing to die for her. And every time I hear that I go you know, I don't know if I can actually find a cross and have myself crucified and die for my wife. I go, look Robin, this is how much I love for you. I'm going to go up on that cross and be crucified. You know, what does that really mean? I hear it all the time. We must love our wives like Jesus loved the church. He was willing to die for her. You know, you get these visions like, okay, we're crossing the crosswalk here. And a car's coming. I push her out of the way and I get hit by the car. See, Robin, I, I love you that much. Or, you know, we're at the Bank of Hawaii. We're making a deposit and a bank robber comes in. And I go, hey, man, shoot me, but let my wife go. Now, realistically, how often is that going to happen in your life? To die for your wife in that regard that way. Probably never, right? Very slim. Do you see, when wives deal with the schedule they have every day, you know they have their diapers that they have to deal with, the driving, the dishwashing, the laundry washing and folding and putting away, cleaning the house, And when you really consider the schedule that they have, you know, wives don't really want you to die for them. They want you to live for them. Every day we can die for our wives by living for them. And it starts by being considerate of them and placing their needs above yours. That takes effort. It really does. And because I was working on the sermon, I sat down with my wife. I mean, face-to-face, no emotion. I go, what am I like as a husband? Am I considerate of you? Do I live with you in an understanding way? I think, and I know, that the marriage relationship will flourish because you you and your wife have had that, that conversation. And it says here, understanding way. In other, it says, Verse seven: Live with your wives in an understanding way. Literally, understanding way means according to knowledge. Um, some of you have had a lot of schooling. You know, you've got your master's degrees, some of your PhDs, uh, some who are in the medical field. They 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 never stop going to school. Isn't that right, Toby? <laughs> you know what? In the marriage relationship, I have been a student of my wife for forty-two years. I need to know what what brings her joy. I have to learn what matters to her. I need to know what her passions are, what energizes her, what burdens her, what what causes sorrow. What are the things that communicates love to her? It could be different in any situation. But that's living with your life in an understanding way. Don't you, you know, going to school, you you have your midterms. Um, High school, college, you have your midterms, your finals. You can study for those and do pretty well if you study for them. You know, in the marriage life, you have your um, anniversaries, you have your birthdays, you have Mother's Days, you have Valentine's Days, and those are already planned. And you can do pretty well, husbands, in doing that. But when it comes to school, the pop quizzes are the most difficult ones, right? They're the ones that pop up without notice. And the reason why it's the best way to, to learn about your wife is because it's so without notice, and it, it tells you, it gives you an idea of whether or not you're processing, processing your learning in a day-to-day basis. And that's where it talks about live your wife in an understanding way. Verse uh, 7, again, it says here, continue on, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel. (laughs) And uh, what's so cool is Proverbs 18.22. I know uh, about a year ago we had a, a study on Proverbs. But it says this, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now husbands should always view their wives as a treasure, treasure and find ways to praise her. And you go, okay, what does honor mean? Let me give you an example. I don't know if you guys are into cars. A lot of men are really into their cars. They they pamper it, they wash it, they wax it, they get it serviced. They even give their car a name. Hey, baby. How are you doing today? They even want people to see them driving around in their car. You know, they've got that gangster lean going on, like, hey, what do you think of this car? They park it out in the remotest part of the parking lot so they don't get door dings. You see, what I'm trying to get at is, you know, oftentimes men give more honor to their cars than to the wives that God has placed in their lives. And it doesn't have to be just cars. It could be hobbies. It could be your profession. It could be your own time. You see, we honor what we value. Do you value your wife? If you do, then you place honor. It talks about the weaker partner. Okay, we're not talking about um, spiritually weaker um, or intellectually weaker. In fact, you know, when Jeopardy! comes on and there's a Bible category, my wife just rifles them off. It takes me about 10 seconds longer. For But, you know, I just love it when I, I just see her reading the Bible because it, it takes effect. And, and uh, she still remains the woman of my dreams and the love of my life. But it's talking about the weaker Partner physically. Yes, I know some of the women are stronger than the guys are. <laughs> but they are the weaker partner. You know, here's the thing you know, what, what is a, a deranged man who is built physically stronger, how would he ever want to lift his hand to harm that woman? If you're in that position, come and talk to me or one of the the leaders here, because we can find you help. But, you know, uh, they are the weaker partner. I can tell you the reason why I know that women are stronger than men in some areas, because I've seen it three times. We have three kids. None of us guys could last 15 seconds giving birth to a child. I'm telling you that right now. Uh, our last daughter who's was born, she's 33 right now. And, you know, the guy's supposed to be the knight in shining armor. You know, okay, the Lamas, okay, focal point, breathe. I fell asleep. <laughs> I fell asleep the whole time. But the thing is, is that they're, though they're physically weaker than the men, men should consider the fact that they are, and they treat them with more gentleness and kindness. We don't, you know, uh, we should never ever think of lifting a hand to harm the wife. It says that they were fellow heir. That that is really pretty radical that they're that they're no longer suppressed as as just uh, an item, but just as a person, the fellow heir, and um, the reason why that it's important, it says here that the fellow heir with you of the grace of life. And when I look at that uh, grace of life, it is you're equal in the eternal life that you uh, enjoy. Because when all is said and done, we uh, were in heaven with Jesus. Galatians 3.28 says there's neither Jew nor Greek Male or female, for you are all one in Christ. But not only is there the eternal life, there's the abundant life that we're to enjoy. You know, um, it's not life marked with riches or material things. I'm talking about the spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. We're, we're equal to that. And it's things like love, it's peace, it's fellowship, it's grace and mercy. Those are the things that really are important to one's character and how they live out uh, Christ in their life. The reason why I want to be the husband that uh, God wants me to be is this last part of verse 7. It says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. You can look at that in several ways, but I never, ever want my prayers to be hindered, but it, it can if you don't treat your wife in an understanding way, as a co-heir of the grace of life, your prayers will be hindered, because how easy... Well, you know, it's assuming that you pray. But for, for my wife and I, um, you know, we love to hold hands when we pray together. And one time, uh, I, I don't know why, but I, I uh, wasn't very nice to her. And I can just imagine her and I praying, and she you know, do one of these things like, don't hold my hand. But how easy is it to pray holding hands together when you haven't treated your wife in this way? Your prayers are hindered because you're not going to be praying at all. Uh, you, you, you know, what I did to fix that, I asked for forgiveness. I said, I, Lord, I was a bad boy. but I, I, I kind of watered it down, but uh, You have to be that open with yourself in your relationship with your wife. Um, That's a guy's uh, version there of verse 7. You see when, guys, you understand what your duties are, it is so much easier for the women to submit to your authority and your leadership. In verses 1 through 6, Starts off the same way as the guys. It says, likewise, wives. And you see Peter, through uh, the Holy Spirit, and using Peter, he's saying there are levels of authority. And husbands are supposed to be the leaders of that relationship. And he's making sure he emphasizes, re-emphasizes that idea of authority in one's life. And Um, as I said with the men, it's referring back to all the different types of submission, the governing authorities, to the economic authorities, and the uh, submitting to Jesus Christ example. Uh, This word submit is very difficult for women because of uh, being in that environment or experiencing it themselves or seeing it in their, their parents' And it's been missed. The meaning of it has been missed. It's been misused and misapplied. And um, the Holy Spirit wants me to bring clarity of this word for all of you to understand. And just remember, submission is not just for wives. Because in Ephesians 5.21, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's not so much that we're, you know, they're cowering because I said, "Hey, do this." All of us will submit to one another in one form and the other, out of reverence for Christ, because that's what Christ uh, wanted us to do. It has nothing to do with equality. Remember, Jesus, co-equal, co-eternal with God the Father and Holy Spirit, chose to submit his will to the father's will. So you have the creator of heaven and earth submitting to the father's will. So this idea of submission uh, should not come as uh, a difficult thing for any of us, especially the the wives. Because you are submitting not just to your husband, but ultimately to Jesus Christ himself. Um, in fact, uh, Jesus said in John six thirty six, I came to do my Father's will. Uh, Philippians 2, 5, and 8, it says, Have this mind among you, or yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the uh, likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death and even on the cross. As I said before, here's our Lord and Savior who took the, sin, the weight of sin upon himself because he loved us so much that he would die for our sins to give us the hope of eternal glory with him. And yet he chose to submit his will to the Father's will. If he didn't do that, we wouldn't wouldn't have to be here. There would be no need. But because of Jesus' submission to God's will, we enjoyed this eternal relationship with him. Just remember too, ladies, that uh, you're not a slave, you're a helper. The original design is that for woman, is, is helpmate or helper. And that word comes with great dignity. You know, even the Holy Spirit is called the helper, but uh, it means suitable for him. Uh, it's uh, a companion, companion who gives aid. That is what a helper is. That's how God designed you, that is the role you are to live out. Uh, in your marriage relationship. No conditions are attached to it. You don't submit because your husband treated you uh, in an understanding way or co-heirs. You submit not because of uh, what he says, because what God says. This command is addressed directly to you. It doesn't go to the husband and then to you. It goes directly to the woman. That's what submission is. Submission is really difficult because um, oftentimes people don't uh, understand it or they've never had it in their life. You know, it, submission actually comes from a military term, hupatazo, and uh, it means to, to rank under. And for, for me, being in the military at one time, I went to basic training twice. And you say, I thought you only go through once. I go, I, I can tell you why. <laughs> but I went through twice, and we had to learn submission. And once you learn it, you understand the importance of of ranking yourself under because you just do the work because the responsibility is up here. And uh, I can tell you that one time the the drill instructor came. He said, you're going to have inspection in 10 minutes. Get your beds fixed. And (laughs) uh, he came in. They were tearing up the beds. They were flipping beds over. And they come to one bed. And there's a guy who's like two bunks away from me. And he goes... And there's an assistant drone instructor who goes, Hey, Sergeant, would you look at this bed? He goes, Yes, Sergeant, I see that bed. And he goes up to the airman and puts his face right there, two inches away. He goes, Airman, who taught you how to make this bed? My mama, sir. Your mama taught you how to make the bed. Sir, yes, sir. (laughs) He comes right back. And says, well, your mama's wrong. And he yelled it. Your mama's wrong. And you know, when you're in the military, you don't, you don't argue. You don't try to uh, say, oh, can we discuss this? You say, yes, sir. But the drill instructor said, yes, sir, what? Yes, sir. My mama's wrong, sir. <laughs> At that point, there, we started learning submission uh, quite well, and we became a really good unit uh, under the training of somebody, an authority over us, and uh, we won a few awards. You know, our, our drill, you know, uh, you know, marching around was was so awesome, but it's really the idea of submission, placing yourself under. And. You look at this, let's read again, get back to the text. Likewise, wives, be subject to your husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. So there is a purpose of submission. And the purpose is is so that even some, uh, if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. Uh, this is addressed both to believing wives and unbelieving wives. But he does narrow it down to unbelieving wives. And back then, uh, wives could have been believers, uh, or, or uh, wives in Peter's day could have been believers before they got married. Uh, there's a thing called patria potesta, which means... Uh, the lord of the household. So he took ownership of, of the wife, or the, his daughter. But that was only transferred, it was transferred over to the new husband. So that's, um, that's one way. Uh, let me back up some. There are two ways that uh, women could be married to an unbeliever. Either through an arranged marriage, or the wife... Uh, listened to the word, responded by faith, and became a believer in Jesus Christ. Those are two ways that they would be uh, unequally yoked. Nowadays, um, the first one where uh, you know, they come to a church, they respond by faith, by hearing God's word, they become believer. The second way is completely different. Either being ill-advised, poor counsel, or ignoring God's word completely. That's the only other way that they become unequally yoked. A believing spouse with an unbelieving spouse. But, you know, it's, this part here of Peter isn't designed to contradict what's in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. What it's saying is that it's giving you a hope and a purpose for that relationship that you find yourself in. Submission to your husbands as well as the other authorities that were mentioned in in, uh, 1 Peter indicate there is a God-established order of authority in marriage. So for them to win their husbands to Christ, wives must continue to submit, believer or not. Um, Like I said before, uh, we are all meant to submit, and wives, you, you... Submit. It's a command from God. Not because your husband tells you, but because God tells you in his word. And there's a behavior attached to submitting to uh, God's word. It says um, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Oftentimes um Wives who come to know Jesus Christ come home to an unbelieving husband and they're just kind of pouring it on. You know, evangelical sayings and scripture verses. uh, Maybe they've made lunch for them and they put a tract in their lunch pail. And here Peter's saying, you know, you don't have to try to say words. Let them observe the real thing about faith and how you conduct your life. And I can tell you, even as a believer, my wife and I came to know Jesus in a saving way together June eighteenth, you know, 1977. We were married a, a, year, a, a week. But during this process, because, you know, I'd have to say that I, I, I was sold out on Jesus. But, you know, Bible reading and praying wasn't my forte until I started seeing my wife. I remember uh, live with her in an understanding way because I'm a student of her, her getting the word and how she responded to, you know, my frustrations, uh, it, it taught me something, that I should be getting into the word. See, she was winning me over by the conduct of her life. Not by the word she said to me, but by the conduct of how she lived her life in accordance with God's word, in accordance with what she'd been reading every day. There's also the beauty of submission. You have the behavior. Remember, you don't have to say words, but live life in accordance with God's purposes for your life so that they can see the real thing. In fact, this world wants to see the real thing from us as we live this life. Um, You know, we can talk about it all we want, but it's when they see what faith looks like in your lives that there is an impact but it says here, verse 3, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which, is, which in God's sight is very precious. It's not outward dress or appearance. It says, do not let your adorning be external. Uh, the word cosmos uh, is where we get our word cosmetic from. It's superficial. And I can tell you, yes, it's OK to get yourself looking nice. It really is. You know, you <laughs> I remember when my uh, friends of mine said, so he had three daughters. What are you going to do when they get to be dating age? I go, well, I'm going to make sure that, uh, first of all, uh, if guy asks uh, them for a date, they have to send me an application. And I'll call them in two weeks. And I said, well, I'm going to make them make sure they dress really in plain clothes. They're putting makeup on, <laughs> wear their hair in pigtails. But here's the thing, that uh, the way you make impact on an unbelieving husband, even a believing husband, is not so much the focus on the external, the physical appearance, although it's very important but it's how you live your life. Isn't that what it says here? But let your adorning, let your beauty uh, be manifest uh, with the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. And um, ladies, it's okay. Men are built weird. We're so visually oriented. Yeah, Even in high school, remember you guys when they say, hey, we got a blind date set up for you? And you didn't ask, does she have a nice personality? You, you asked, well, what does she look like? So it's really important that you, you, you know, dress up for your husbands. That's okay. But the focus has to be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. And yes, it's OK to be extroverted. There's a lot of women that are extroverted, they're so friendly. Um, but yeah, yes, within the marriage relationship, there has to be that gentle uh, and quiet spirit which is precious in God's sight. He values that. He values it over, um, you know, the, the physical appearance. And then he goes into the examples of beauty. Look what it says here. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. (laughs) Isn't that pretty awesome? The Old Testament women, and especially Sarah, they adorn themselves by submitting to their husbands. That is really the beauty, is that they're submitting to them and to their authority. And I just want to let you know that when Peter writes this, it's Sarah, not Abraham, who is held out with honor in this passage. Not Abraham, but Sarah is the one held out in honor. And those who follow her example also will receive honor, attain an imperishable beauty, beauty, and succeed in pleasing God. They please their husbands by pleasing God first. You know, we make much of Jesus in the lives we live. You know, we use that term a lot here at Shorebake. You know, we amplify Jesus. And we make much of him. But you see, making much of him has to do with how we live our lives. And the picture of marriage is the very picture of God loves his people. So it's so important, single, divorced, widowed, remarried, whatever. We need to know this because when you share this with others, and more than certainly that you will be able to share this, that it's um, making much of Jesus how we live our lives and especially how husbands live with their wives. Making much of Jesus, first of all, husbands is how we treat them. There are three A's that I like to throw around. Uh, it's attention, affection, adoration. That's what we have to do. Give your wife's attention when you get home from work. or Give your wife's attention whenever she, you know, you, you notice that she, she just needs that. She needs that, that attention. You know, we often will just bypass her, go straight to television or straight to the board, start waxing, hey, I'm going to surf, I'll see you in about four hours. You show them affection. You know, uh, yes, there's that physical intimacy, but yet there's like non-sexual touching. You're just patting her shoulders or just massaging them or snuggling up to them if you're watching something on Netflix or you're binging on Netflix. That's about three hours worth of, you know, just holding her hand. Affection includes holding her hand when you park the car at Target, you walk inside. That's what they want. They don't need riches. They don't need prestige. They want you to love them as Christ loved the church. You live for them. And you show them adoration. Remember I talked about honoring something? That's how you adore them. You place value on who they are, that they're the most important earthly relationship that you have. Wives, you can be making much of Jesus by... Showing respect to your husband by submitting to them. Knowing that when you're submitting to your husband, you're submitting, first of all, to God. But you're also pleasing Him. And as a couple, you can make much of Jesus as you leave an example to your children. Our youngest one, like I said, she's in her mid-30s, and I asked her, do you recall any memories you have about mommy and me and how we related to each other? And uh, I said, well, you will take a couple of days (laughs) because it's really hard to come up when, you know, it's been probably 25 years since they've been (laughs) thinking about things like that. But you see, um, the most important gift that you can give to your children is loving your wife. And she goes, Daddy, I, I remember several things. I re. I rem- she remembers one of our employees uh, mentioning that uh, to me, or asking me, you know, you and Robin seem to have a, just an awesome relationship. And I didn't even remember this. And she, uh, she told me, recalled the, uh, the incident. And I said, you know, both Robin and I hold ourselves accountable to somebody much higher. That's God himself. But she goes, you know, the the model and the blueprint I wanted in my husband, you displayed. And of course, I wanted to cry right there. But, you know, us men try to be too strong and say, okay, I can handle this. But you see, making much of Jesus... Uh, has a lot to do with you as a couple uh, and leaving your children an example. that First of all, God loves us like Christ uh, loved the church. He was willing to die for them. But we ourselves husband more than the wives that we are to love our wives not just by dying for them but for living for them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Oftentimes uh, a topic like this is very difficult because we come from different places. And I I know Father, you didn't mean for me to be uh, for this to be a full-on marriage seminar. But to bring uh, the good news of Jesus Christ to people through this institution called marriage. I pray for all of us that uh, we would manifest the holy spirit living in us by how we, we treat others, how we value those even those we don't know. But more of those that within our household, the one that uh, we fellowship with. And we do this because Jesus, you first loved us and we must love others as well. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.